Chicago Lighthouse Media presents The Unseen Show, hosted by Sandy Murillo, Brett Shishkoff, Jose Martinez, and Mike Cole. The topic that we've kind of decided to cover uh, today with uh, H.R. 620, um, the law that uh, our government's trying to push through to weaken um, the ADA. How do you guys feel that, you know, it feels like the easiest low-hanging fruit for deregulation seems to be for people in marginalized communities? What do we have in common? We, as the blind community, can say that we're all blind, so we should be unified. everyone and welcome to a brand new show of the unseen show i am sandy murillo i am brett shishka i'm jose martinez and i'm mike Colling. welcome back everyone yes how are you doing sandy i'm great enjoying the summer all the summer festivities a few vacations i took and yeah all is good look at you a few <laughs> exactly i could only a few vacations <laughs> I could only and, do and, one. Well, the thing is that I hadn't gone in vacation, like on vacation in about a year and a half or something. So, you know, <laughs> put them all back to back. That right. is the great thing about summertime is everybody's kind of getting out yeah. and about and yeah. being able to enjoy the weather. And I think that's something that uh, is becoming more and more popular for uh, us with disabilities. There's more and more places that are accommodating. And so I think the topic that we've kind of decided to cover uh, today with uh, HR 620, um, the law that uh, our government's trying to push through to weaken um, the ADA. Uh, I definitely think that this topic is, is going to be a fun one for us to kind of explore and and see if we think that it's a good idea or a bad idea. Well, and you know, Brett, you brought up a good uh, point because the ADA recently turned 28, 28 years old. Years old. It was signed in 1990 by President Bush. Yes, first, first Bush. Bush. First Bush, exactly. So, you know, it's very interesting and in a way symbolic that all this conversation about H.R. 620 um, is going on um, at this time. I know it's been going on for some time, but... Um, yeah, it was passed you, earlier this year. Can you, Brett, I know that you've been following this... Um, probably closer than, uh, you know, us, Jose, myself, and Mike have been following it. But can you tell us a little bit about what it is exactly? Yeah, basically it, it allows businesses to have a longer time period to explore uh, the capability of them becoming more accessible if someone brings with someone with a disability brings to their attention that they need this accommodation, uh, the business actually ends up having uh, about six months to be able to explore if they're even capable of doing that. And then if they deem that they're not able to, then it's really up to the individual with the disability to try and figure out an accommodation for themselves. So I guess in other words, to put it into perspective and to see if I understand it correctly. So, you know, I myself am totally blind. Mm -hmm. And let's say I go to... Uh, I get a new job somewhere and I ask, you know, the employer like, oh, I, you know, I need assistive technology. I need materials in Braille. 
would that mean that I would have to wait for six months? Is that the... Potentially, that's where it can go. Right now, it's actually because a lot of business owners feel like a lot of lawyers are taking advantage of the ADA and they're basically seeing it as easy money for them to be able to make all these like lawsuits to make money. But most people who are disabled who file these like suits, they're not even asking for like monetary gain out of it. No, no. They're actually just asking for this accommodation to be met so they can actually go into these places on their own or with their families or friends and feel like they are part of that business or being able to contribute to that business. And and so that that's the frustrating part about it is that the government is looking from the business side of it and the businesses feel like there's just a lot of lawsuits that are frivolous lawsuits that these people are looking for monetary gain. And it's always a few bad eggs that ruin it for the rest of us, really. I see both sides in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like... The businesses can take this and roll with it and say, hmm, we've got six months to decide if we want to put mm-hmm. a ramp on our business yeah. so that this person with a wheelchair can come in. You know what? We can't do that. How is the person in a wheelchair going to provide their accommodation? Tell me. How? Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Right? Absolutely. Can you lift me up? So that lift I can me up the stairs. To, right? There have been some instances I've been, like when I could see, I remember a few times that I saw... Like even at like a sporting event, I saw a group of guys just carrying somebody in a wheelchair up with them because there wasn't any other way for them to get to their seat. So it is interesting just to like see that that could potentially be how some people need to get into a business is they need to bring a group of people to be able to lift them up into upstairs area or whatever it ends up being. In other words, back to the 1950s. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, it's, I understand it too, HR 620, from what I've seen, it limits your ability to press chart or to file lawsuits against businesses too. Exactly. It basically says that we're siding with business here. If they don't want to cooperate with ADA, that's up to them. And it's kind of your problem. Right. It feels kind of backwards. Well, in in a way, I, I wonder if this is going to be a good thing in any way at all, only because I have seen the dehumanization of people with disabilities for fear of liability. It's like, you're not a person anymore. You're a liability. I'm not even in a wheelchair. And I'm, it's like the first example I'm thinking of. People mm-hmm. in wheelchairs yeah. who are told to wait there while, in, in, in the case of a fire drill or, yeah. God forbid, a real fire, yeah. to wait right there. Don't do anything because you are a liability. You aren't a person anymore that's in need of assistance. You are a liability. And should you fall down those stairs, should the elevator not work, you can sue us. It's, I uh, I don't know. I, I, I see the, the idea of trying to curve that stuff, but I wonder if it's actually going to work. Yeah, it's what frustrated me was seeing that it actually had bipartisan support. Mm. Um, I was expecting it to be somewhat one-sided. I also am not entirely sure because when it passed originally in 1990, it actually was bipartisan support. So now they're going in an exact opposite direction. And so it's just, it's hard to kind of like, you just kind of scratch your head of like, what are they doing? Because realistically, the ADA doesn't need to be weakened. Mm -hmm. There are certain parts of it that definitely need to be strengthened more so than weakened, I feel. And so seeing that they feel like it's too strong of a law for us to be able to just even just go into a business and feel like we're accommodated, that's too much to ask. That That's kind of upsetting to me. 
um, I understand like these frivolous lawsuits and I know there's lawyers that are out there that are just kind of looking for themselves to just make money wherever they possibly can. But when you have these people who are just, I just want you to accommodate me. I don't need any monetary, anything from you. Just please put in this ramp or put in an elevator or, you know, with me and poet, just Mm. allow me to come and sit down and have a bite to eat at your restaurant. Like, Poet, when I go to a restaurant, he just lays underneath my chair. And unless somebody literally sees me and him come in, they don't know until I get up with him. And they're like, I didn't even know he was there. So, like, for businesses to really not accommodate, like, service animals, that's something for me that's a personal issue that would be very, very frustrating to me. Luckily, I haven't run into that, but I do know other guide dog owners that have run into it. And it's a long, drawn-out process already, and now they're drawing it out even further with HR six twenty. You just answered my question because I was gonna, I was gonna say, have you ever been discriminated against because of that? No, not yet. Okay, you've never had a an instance where someone wouldn't let you in because you had poet. No, um, most of the places I frequent pretty often, and my family is frequented pretty often, so very rarely. Like the places that I really was kind of. Uh oh, I'm gonna have some trouble. Is like when I go out to the country areas, mm, like my family lives sure. down in southern Illinois. Yeah. And what's funny is they seem more accommodating than some of the city businesses from time really? to time. Like uh, my parents will be like, "Oh, that uh, there's somebody following us from the store, watching to make sure that poet doesn't grab anything." La 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 la. Uh, but they haven't told me that I have to leave. Right. But like, I'll go to like a fast food joint, and they'll have we'll go through maybe the drive-through or go inside, and they'll have treats for the dogs. Oh, so it's wow. like yeah. none of the businesses here have that. But mm-hmm. I go to a place just down the street from here at the lighthouse. It's uh, called De Posada. It's a Mexican restaurant. Yeah, which it's delicious, by and the way. It is amazing. And I come in there, and I'm part of the family. And they'll actually, oh, house poet. And they'll like, does he need any water? They'll give him a bowl of water if he needs water, that type of thing. And so most places are very accommodating for me with my guide dog. But like I said, there have been instances I know quite a few guide dog owners now that I have one. We kind of start to talk uh, quite frequently with one another. We have a lot of guide dog groups that that's why we come together is Mm -hmm. like, how do you handle those situations? And so uh, I have heard the bad stories and how long it's taken for businesses to really try and accommodate. And then it has to go to the courts and it costs more money for just us trying to get a lawyer. And then you also have the businesses who have to even shell out even more because they don't accommodate realistically if they just okay let, let's see what it will cost they're going to make more money back i think in the long run accommodating because that's just more business you're getting yeah that's realistically what it comes down well, to you're getting more business it, into your building well, into it, your establishment. it feels like right now the, the 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 aim of the government is to they want to deregulate, they want to soften and weaken current legislation on many different topics. And it just sort of feels like they're starting with the marginalized communities you hear in the news mm. more so than anything else that, you know, H.R. 620 is just another example, but you hear about the Supreme Court cases with the, with the, um, that you can now pick and choose based on religious or sexual affiliation of who you serve. It just feels, how do you guys feel that, you know, it feels like the easiest low-hanging fruit for deregulation seems to be for people in marginalized communities. I think um I think that if they can get away with it they will most certainly do so. So it is up to us people who are affected by these bills to speak out right away and speak out loudly and with as much conviction as possible because I mean 
they think that they can get away with it. They think that they're going to pass this and it's going to, you know, be swift and everything. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that people are putting that out there. What I hope is that we start to realize that we kind of have to come together on all of these topics. Like if we're just all being separated. So like I just know in a few of the advocacy groups that I'm a part of, when it's multiple disabilities being covered, we aren't working together. Like mm. the American Council of the Blind isn't working with the National Federation of the Blind yeah, on yeah. too many things. It's getting yeah. a little bit better, but for the longest time they were separated and they were fighting for different things or they would actually counteract each other. And that's my frustration is like, okay, we're all under the same umbrella. We have the same disability. A lot of the rights that we need to fight for, we need to come come together because we have limited numbers as a blind community and that, those numbers it has to come from one voice. Like we need to be able to be a little bit better on communicating together and just understanding that it's okay to have differing opinions, but in when it comes down to it, we have to fight together. A unified front is always better than a lot of different voices going in a lot of different directions. You brought up something really interesting, Brett. And I think that's just not, not just here with the disabled community or the blind community, but with disenfranchised people of all types mm -hmm. i i want to i want to share a little story mm -hmm. um something i learned in one of my classes which was the history of the american city was that i don't remember if it was in new york i think it was in new york uh because chicago i'm sure had similar problems before the influx of paraphrasing here and to keep things short black and brown people mm -hmm. you had all the europeans uh, the nationalities were against each other. The gangs, the the different gangs, you know, the Irish, the Italians, the maybe the the British, the Loyalists, whatever. If you've watched Gangs of New York, mm -hmm. um, if there were any Russians, the point is they were all European, but they were against each other. Right. Mm. And then suddenly, people like me come along, and Sandy, mm -hmm. people like us come along, and uh, <laughs> that's fair. And suddenly, it's like, hey, you know what? Screw all this, man. We're white. We're Europeans. We've got something in common. It was tangible, right? Mm. That's the point. It's tangible. Yeah. What do we have in common? We, as the blind community, can say that we're all blind, so we should be unified. Mm -hmm. But what does the disability community have in common that is tangible? You see where I'm going at? Right, mm -hmm. yep. What's interesting is, like, I, I, I started, like, realizing a few weeks ago not just with, like, our community, but it's interesting, like, Democrats and Republicans, they're always separate. But there are some things that actually we do agree on, but we'll never admit, admit it that it, we agree yeah. on similar things. And so it's just, I think it, us as a society, it's just very, very hard to kind of, like, recognize that we have more things in common than we do, uh, like, not in common. And so I think it, it's just more frustrating to me to kind of like see us as as humanity how we can just look magnify the things that aren't common between us and they mean nothing like this color of my skin doesn't mean anything compared to the other person across the table from me jose sandy like that is such a, a small minute thing that's different between me and you that it really isn't 
something that should make me get paid more or you guys being treated differently because you are Hispanic or Mexican or Puerto Rican or wherever you're from, the color of your skin really isn't that big of a deal, but we've magnified it for some reason. But that's just, I, 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 I am happy that you feel that way. And I, and I applaud you yeah. for feeling that way, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who disagree with yeah. that. Yep. There's a lot of people who look at, at people who are different from them and judge right away and, and classify them or deny them stuff. Yeah. And that, and the thing that I'm getting at here is blindness is very tangible because most people who are blind use a white cane. That's like the first thing that you see mm-hmm. is their cane, whether they use it or it's just for identification. Yeah, most blind people have something like that. Yeah. And it's like as soon as someone sees a white cane or it's almost a universal thing they recognize. It is, but I actually had a lady who freaked out on me when she saw me coming down the street. Oh, yeah? And I was, like, coming home from church one Sunday, and she just started yelling at me from, like, 50 feet away. I might have even told this story before. But it ends up that she just kept saying, no, no, she just started yelling. And I'm like, I wonder what she's yelling at. And so I'm just continuing the walk, and all of a sudden I get closer to her, and my cane, like, taps her cart. She has, like, one of those rolling carts for groceries and stuff. And she goes... That's why you be, uh, you people shouldn't be out because all you do is uh, break stuff. You were tapping your cane against the wall over there. That that business now has to repaint their, their wall because you tapped your cane against their wall. You people shouldn't even be out and about. She's like, why are you out and about by yourself? And I said, well, why are you out and about by yourself? And she goes, because I, I needed to go to some somewhere. And I go, sounds like a good enough reason for me. You have a good right. rest of your day. Like, And I asked. I've asked around like, I live at a place that has a lot of blind people and they said yeah. that there's lots of parts of the country where if like you're blind in a small town, you're supposed to be a closed in, you're like a shut in. And there's lots of part of the world that that's the I same was going to say a lot of parts mm-hmm. of the world, Brett, you know, it's here in the U.S. where there's still room for improvement, certainly when it comes to um, awareness about this people with disabilities in general. But a lot of parts in the world, you know, you still see people with disabilities that are sheltered that are considered inferior um, to other people <laughs> i was at a i was at a birthday party as a kid uh, yeah and it was my turn to hit the piñata you know uh-huh. yep. and and i was i was clogging it you know and what my my dad was uh by one of the guests there and she was just like oh my god he's just he he's he's like he's aiming the right way and everything i thought he was stupid been there, done that. I've you heard know, that and before. That's what. Yep. That's what we grow up with. Yep. Is this, yes. this whole stigma? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, the whole blind and dumb thing uh, is still around to a certain extent. It's gotten better, but it's still around. That if you're blind, you must be stupid. Or like, even going to like a restaurant, you'll have some like a waitress or something just start yelling at you. Yeah. Because they think you're deaf too. It's like, ah, oh, my ears work just fine. You could speak normal to me. That's that's totally okay. Um. But one thing that I actually did see that was kind of cool, I don't know if you guys saw this article or not, but it popped up and there's actually in the UK last week, they decided to do a global disability summit where um, like all these different companies from around the world came together. Um, the minister of Britain, one of the ministers of Britain, she actually did her entire like speech to open up the summit uh, with sign language. And so like there's a lot of things that they're trying to work on of like trying to get, I think it's 500 million people with disabilities 
um, the technologies that they need um, mm. by 2024. Um, and there is a billion people who do have some type of disability, but their goal is to make sure that these people have, like in the article it's stated, like what their aim and goal is over these next like eight to 10 years um, in like getting technology, getting health care for them, trying to uh, also implement a like way for more employment and more equal opportunities for people with disabilities to be actually making the same amount that their peers would make. Um, so it's cool that they're actually trying to come together and that they're realizing we all do have to come together to kind of talking about a topic we call, we talked about a little bit, uh, a few minutes ago. Um, there are parts of the world that are really do, they are trying to work on figuring out ways to help us and move forward where our country seems to be kind of declining. Um, other parts of the country seem to want to move forward and make it a little bit better. So Hopefully the United States will jump on board with this at some point. Do you guys have any like specific opinions on like, does that make you excited? Are you kind of like hesitant because it's like, yeah, yeah, we've seen this before. I haven't seen anything like a global summit before. So no, I, and just... It, it's just ironic though that, <laughs> you know, the U S um, you know, for like the, at least a couple decades, decades we were considered, you know, because of the ADA and different law. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we're still considered one of the more, advanced countries when it comes to disability um as i mentioned earlier but you know things like um hr 620 and all of these um different um ideas that you know as we mentioned trying to attack the ada to weaken the ada rather but to me it's ironic that now other countries are trying to i guess um in a way, follow the U.S. example of improving uh, the lives of, of people with disabilities. Yeah, there were like eight African uh, African countries that were also being implemented in them, mm-hmm. yeah. having an initiative for getting like special ed uh, teachers because mm-hmm. there isn't a lot of education for people no. with disabilities around the world. And so um, they're actually trying to implement some more um, teachers for special education um, throughout the world, but there was like Kenya, Somalia, a few others. I can't remember the entire list, but it was eight total countries in Africa that really are starting this initiative of realizing the importance of uh, education for people with disabilities. In other words, now we will have to follow the examples of these other countries. You know. It's not the first time. Yeah. I think it's yeah. interesting how people say, you know, Politics is not a good topic to uh, get into when it comes to conversation or when it comes to breaking the ice with somebody. And it's just like, you're probably right. But, yeah, look what happens when you don't talk about these things. Yeah, yeah. They go away. Then you're in dire straits. And it's like, okay, somebody's got to talk about it. Somebody's got to do something. Yeah, the uncomfortable conversations a lot of people don't like to have. But some they're uncomfortable because we don't talk about them enough. I think if we actually sat down and talked with people on a regular basis, like if us as the disab- disabled community were putting ourselves out there a little bit more and people who who don't have any disabilities, if they were actually um, willing to sit down and actually have conversations with us, mm-hmm. I think a lot of that, those stereotypes and stigma that is out there would be squashed within just seconds of them having conversations with us. And so I think that's... That's the hard part is most of the time when we don't understand something, 
it frustrates us. And if it frustrates us, it angers us. And so we don't want to have anything to do with it. And that's sad. And I think that that's unfortunately where our country is at is we have a lot of things going on that we don't quite understand. And there's a lot of anger. And with so many big things going on, too, it's the small things that like like Jose was saying, it's the small things that go unnoticed because no one talks about it. And I don't know that I had even had much to do with H.R. 620 other than passing glance. But even from a news perspective, although that's something that's passed the House, people aren't really it never really garnered a lot of attention at the time. And well, I still yeah. don't think it is now because there's so much going on on the day-to-day news cycle that it, it's hard to keep track of it all. And something like that, I feel like it's just pushed under the radar. Unfortunately, yeah. You know, I don't remember seeing any um, breaking news alerts on my iPhone or anything like that, you know, I had this HR fear. 620. I had this fear a long time ago uh-huh. uh, from seeing people's one-liners on Twitter that was saying, this stuff can really be weaponized for a bad thing, for a propagandist, for something that can be... I mean, look at it. If you're like an expert at creating 140-character slogans, mm-hmm. I mean, this can be weaponized against us. And I fear that that's what's happening. It is, to a certain extent. Like, you you do have people who kind of turn it where, look at all of these people with disabilities. They're getting rich off of businesses by making all these lawsuits up. Yeah. Um, with just using the ADA as an excuse. And it's like, no. Like, if you do the research and actually realize how many of those suits people actually made money off of, it's such a small percentage that most people would shut their mouth very quickly. There's no disable. It's just a fable. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. Yeah. So it is, it's, it's extremely frustrating because I don't think we delve too much into the things. Like, yeah. we're so... You know, we're on that Twitter side of things now that we want to see things in 140 characters. And if we don't click inside Mm. that article and read the full article, we don't actually know fully of what's being said. We just see the little synopsis or the little, you know, maybe it's just the headline. And we're like, oh, okay, I know what happened. And so I don't think we investigate enough for us to fully understand what people are actually talking about. We just say, oh, did you hear about this? And we didn't actually look into the rest of the article of how they broke it down and the other opinions that might have been in there or the other facts that might have been in there that wasn't included in that headline. So we've been talking about the ADA and HR 620, and we've been having a pretty good conversation and not really too much of a debate. Most of us are kind of on, on one side, but we do have different perspectives. But Unfortunately, that's the end of our conversation for today. We're out of time. we got to move on to other things, but it's been fun. We'll have another great conversation uh, next time on The On Scene Show. I am Brett Shishkoff. I am Sandy Murillo. I'm Jose Martinez. And Mike Culling. Just want to thank everybody for joining us, and I want to thank all three of you guys for joining me uh, today. I enjoyed hearing your perspectives on all of it, and uh, we'll be back well, again. Thank you. Thank you. Next time. Thanks. Have a good one, everybody.